Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware dot com slash deals that's alienware.com slash deals hey sarah i love that spring break vlog you posted on zigazoo omg you watched it yeah it was so cool i think you're so talented social media is only positive with zigazoo the world's largest and safest social media network for kids in zigazoo all community members are verified kids like yours and all content is fully human moderated Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. This is our coronavirus COVID-19 episode, or part two in what unfortunately will be a continuing series. Uh, as we've been doing recently, uh, we wanted to we wanted to connect with our fellow listeners on Twitter. So it's time again for Twitter Roll Call. Today's message comes from Grumman 600, who says, uh, New Jersey man charged with terroristic threats for allegedly coughing on Wegman's worker. It's a headline. Uh, and then he sends us a link. Uh, and that Wegmans, I think, is a chain of grocery stores, right, in New Jersey? Yeah, that's that's correct. This uh, this tweet was interesting to me because it's part of a, a larger conversation that's happening now, at least in the U.S., and it's the idea that people who are knowingly positive for COVID-19 and choosing 
to go to public gatherings or public spaces may be charged with uh, under laws that would ordinarily apply to terrorism. As wild as that sounds, that is in the cards. Well, it's sort of like um, if you knowingly have HIV and, you know, infect someone without telling them that you can be charged with a crime for that. Absolutely. Right. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, the most extreme example of that so far as we record, which we should say is Wednesday, March 25th, uh, the the most extreme example of that came from Japan, where there was a single, uh, a single male individual got tested, knew he was positive for COVID-19, and purposely went out to all the bars and restaurants he could find to try and spread it. Very strange. Very Jeez. strange. Oh, God. Our next Twitter shout-out comes from Fracky Fire, who has written into the show before. Fracky, you said, currently catching up on some Conspiracy Stuff episodes and listening to the one on COVID-19 from a few weeks ago is a strange experience. It's like a time capsule of the moment right before everything went crazy. And, you know, this uh, this struck a chord with me. I was wondering if it, it struck a chord with you guys as well. I went back and re-listened, and we did the best we could with the facts we had. Yeah, it's most certainly like a time capsule. We I remember because what it took about a week for that episode to publish after we recorded it, mm-hmm. and we could feel we could feel the winds of change coming as we were waiting for it to get out there in the wild. And by the time it went live, we were like, "Wow, wow, it, this has really evolved since then." And now it, it's almost like a completely different situation, a completely different world that we're living in. Um, that's why we're making this episode. You know, what's interesting to me is how quickly our brains adapt and normalize the completely abnormal. Uh, maybe it's just me, but even like going and walking around in grocery stores now, everyone's wearing these, you know, rubber gloves and, and these masks. And I don't find myself recoiling in, you know, complete and utter terror. <laughs> I literally had my kid with me at the grocery store and I'm seeing this and somehow your brain kind of tricks you into thinking this is like normal all of a sudden, you know, Uh, and it feels like something out of a science fiction movie. Yeah, it's an interesting quirk of our species. And we've talked about it a little bit in the past. It's astounding and in no small part disturbing how quickly things become normalized. That's why we throw around phrases like the new normal and so on. It also makes me think of the uh, the old What's that old saw that it takes 21 days to form a habit and 21 to break one? Uh, it's interesting. I don't know if the science backs it up, but it is true. You know, you're, you're usually about seven days away from something that would have sounded crazy last week being absolutely status quo the next week. And it's something, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because it's something we need to remember, not just us podcasting and not just us listening, but everyone we know. We need to remind them that this doesn't have to be the normal. Uh, we're, we're going through some crazy times, uh, but the, the fight's not over yet. In fact, uh, as we'll learn in today's episode, the fight in a very real way is just beginning. Would you guys agree? Most certainly. I'm oscillating between feeling like this will just be our new normal. And when I say that, I don't mean necessarily, you know, being sequestered at home, but the the new steps we take in interacting with each other um, on a personal basis, on Something as simple as using headphones in a shared studio or, um, you know, when you think about getting takeout and maybe cleaning the bag or something or the containers when you go shopping, 
cleaning that before you bring it into your house. It does feel like we're so aware now of the possibilities. It doesn't have to be a pandemic for us to have these memories now. No, what what we were going through. Well, and it's so visceral now because it's like, it literally has just kind of reminded us how vulnerable we all are as humans. And if anything, it's just kind of like caused us to sort of rethink, not to sound too like hippy dippy about it, but our place in the universe and how we're, it's all so fragile, you know, and like things could just take a turn like on a dime like this. And it's just really kind of a wake up call, um, not not to mention some of the issues with the government and the issues with like healthcare and sort of bringing to full attention, like how fragile our economy is and how it just takes something like this. You know, a germ to bring it all crashing down. Like, that's the part that really freaks me out. Yeah, it's it's important to remember that despite our own uh, incredibly narcissistic focus on the human species, we are one of a multitude of different life forms that lives here. And, you know, it's funny, Matt and I were talking about this on a uh, an episode that came out recently about giants, and there was this this notion that came up in our discussion about how Earth, especially if you go with the Gaia hypothesis, Earth is a super organism. It is hungry, you know, and the works of man are not near as permanent as we may like to believe. Uh, this is a level reset. Uh, you know, one of the most troubling things about the current pandemic is that we have to understand as a species, nations, ideologies, religions aside, that this sort of thing has occurred in the past, it will occur again. We can prepare for it, we can try to mitigate it, but we cannot prevent it. Something like this will happen again. We just happen to be alive at a time when history is being written uh, in the first pandemic of the hyperconnected age of social media. And we're glad you're here. You know, and and we're grateful for it. We're also back. Now, for everybody who's listened to our previous episode on the coronavirus, we noted that due to the ongoing nature of the event, we would inevitably need to return with an update, a new look at how the pandemic evolved. And I don't know if you guys went back and listened to that previous episode, who the World Health Organization had not officially uh, declared COVID-19 a pandemic, but it it seemed like all but a done deal, even when we were recording back then. So what we'd like to do today is update you with the facts, fiction, and conspiracy theories that are springing up across the planet in reaction to this global infection. So the best way for us to do that is to start with what we know today, March 25th, 2020. Here are the facts. So let's just do a little bit of uh, housekeeping with uh, the kind of the lay of the land where we are today. Um, we absolutely have a better understanding of kind of a snapshot of what's going on globally. And it's not great. Um, it's pretty ugly. We have confirmed cases in the U.S. Um, that have surged tenfold, likely over 50,000 as we record this episode. And the number of confirmed infections globally has reached a whopping 452,241. Right. And one thing that we don't hear about as often as perhaps we should uh, would be the positive side of this uh, of this infection process. One hundred and thirteen thousand one hundred and twenty one people are confirmed to have contracted coronavirus and to have recovered. 
Of course, it's not all, you know, angel uh, farts and, and trumpets and harpsichords because some of those people have serious lasting damage to their respiratory system. And the virus, as we know, is fatal. Yeah, it's killed over 18,200 people around the world just so far. And, and it really is, it's astounding um, mm-hmm. and it's troubling because those, these are just the cases that we know. Um, this is the thing that is really terrifying, actually, um, because they're confirmed numbers from people who got tested that we have identified as having this disease uh, of being infected by this virus and then having any kind of outcome, whether recovery or even death. Well, and as we know, I mean, a big problem is the lack of available tests and how only people with really serious symptoms are even getting access to tests unless you're like Don Cheadle or something. It seems like all kinds of celebrity news of people confirming they don't have it because they somehow got a test. I wonder if it's just like really expensive private health care or how they get access to that. But in general, us mortals are not going to be able to get tested unless we are presenting some serious symptoms. And I even read a study that, you know, there's so much stuff coming out every day. Uh, This may have been debunked, but um, that people who are asymptomatic um, could well have a higher viral load and are, are, are more prone to shedding the virus and spreading it, uh, which, which is a big part of why this quarantine thing is so necessary, because you just don't know who has it. Right. There, there are a couple of points that I want to hit there. First, um, I, I think I read some of the same stuff. I know it's not, it's not 100% proven, but even if that speculation turns out to be debunked, it's still a fantastic idea to self-isolate or whatever PC term your government is using to avoid saying the Q word. It's still a great idea to do that because you you don't have to I know it's a big ask, but don't worry necessarily about saving your own life. Remember that if if you don't care about saving your own life, remember that you may be saving the lives of literally hundreds of thousands of strangers just because of the way this thing transmits through carriers. And I appreciate the point about testing. You're right, Matt. It is it, it the numbers that we have are sobering, but we should add that massive, frankly, terrifying caveat. Those are only the confirmed numbers, and they are much, much lower than what's actually happening. In a lot of countries, including the United States, to your point, Noel, the average person has no realistic chance to get tested for COVID-19. And of course, that means many, many people uh, are spreading this infection just to hit home. Uh, you know, I th- I predict that the numbers we're going to see here in the U.S. at least are going to be indicative of uh, of a case that like it'll show us that someone you know has or had had COVID. That's that's what we're going to look at if we see the trends and if we get some transparent numbers, which you know a lot of countries don't want to do. Russia being one, the United States being another. So, like, let's let's look at the the global trends. Uh, I think I think we mentioned earlier the official the official confirmed number of people who have contracted this. It's north of four hundred thousand. But what's important here is to realize how we arrived at that number. So four hundred thousand something, and the number keeps ticking up. Of those 400,000, more than 100,000 cases were confirmed in the past three days. So from March 22nd 
to March 25th, 100,000 people, a fourth of the total official number were confirmed. That means there have to be more out there. Man, uh, the it is pretty terrifying. I'm just going to give you guys a quick example just to kind of speak to this as we're going down here. Um, I know personally someone who is in an age group and in a health range that is not considered a high vulnerability for COVID to be uh, fatal for them. And they, they are fairly sure they quoted me 80 to 90% positive that they have COVID-19 as well as their significant other. But, and they even live very close to a hospital and a hospital system here in Atlanta, but they do not have access to a test and they cannot get tested to confirm whether or not they have it. So they just have to essentially write it out until it becomes bad enough that they need hospital hospitalization. Are they showing uh, serious symptoms or what? Yes, yeah, 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 but not uh, not the intense respiratory stuff that's associated with the fatality. Got it. Uh, or the, the fatal nature of what it turns into. So it's just one of those things where, especially in this country, that is what we're dealing with. Probably, I can't even estimate the number of people who are in that same or similar situation where they know they're sick, they've, it feels as though it is this, but they don't have access to a test. And th- that's exactly what we're about to talk about here, um, about what what various countries are doing to prevent further spread, or at least, as they say, flatten the curve. Right, right. And we'll spend some time on that too. We have enough data now that we can look at, we can look at the different and distinct responses from several, several countries. Uh, For instance, uh, on the extreme authoritarian end, we have countries like Singapore, South Korea, and Israel. So Singapore is uh, <laughs> is kind of an honor student here. Uh, they used contact tracing technology, uh, meaning that they were proactively testing people. And if you tested positive, then they would find every place you had been, every person you had interacted with, and they would also test them. And then if they tested positive, they would also test everyone that person interacted with every place they went. Imagine that happening in the United States. It, it, it's just, it's, it's almost uh, anathema to the culture here. Uh, Israel did the same thing. Uh, of course, the, one of the big, big differences with Israel and Singapore is that Israel is still in opposition to Palestine. And Palestine is something that has been you know, like the Hong Kong protest, it's less and less in the news as the news is increasingly related to COVID. Uh, to your point about flattening the curve, Matt, uh, China actually does seem to be flattening the curve. The Granted, though, to flatten that curve, they did things that would never happen in the United States, such as, um, I think we talked about this on a previous show, such as physically welding doors of apartment buildings shut while people were inside. Did you guys hear about that? Oh my God. No, it's definitely an extreme version of what's attempting to be enacted here in the United States, where it's like, you know, official orders from your state's governor or a mayor of a city uh, to like stay inside. But uh, forcing it to that level. But there's even caveats in the in the soft mandates we're getting from our leader, our leaders, right? I mean, obviously, going to the grocery store is is acceptable, and there's even you know mention of it's okay to take a walk around the neighborhood, walk your dog, go to go to the park. 
I honestly feel like because so many people are home in my neighborhood, I'm seeing more people walking around than I typically would, you know, on a work from home day in normal circumstances. Mm -hmm. So I feel like people are absolutely like getting out and, you know, being a little too loose with uh, with those mandates kind of, you know, 100 percent. You know, it's uh, the way that information circulates nowadays, the way that we're all hyper-connected makes it easy for us to get information fatigue. And it also also means uh, that we're looking at a scenario where people might not take this threat seriously until someone that they personally know dies, which is a very grim and absolutist way to look at it. But it also is a, a valid observation based on what we know about human psychology. If you are, like many of us in the States, one of the people worried about um, the U.S. slipping as a global superpower uh, in recent years, uh, then you may find cold comfort in the realization that the United States has become, is set to become a world leader once again in, in one particularly dubious field. Uh, soon, depending on how things play out, uh, we will be a world leader acknowledged in COVID-19 infection, which means possibly depending on our infrastructure, uh, we will become a world leader in COVID-related deaths. That's a grim note, but don't worry. The story's not over yet. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, and then we'll return to walk through some possible scenarios for the future. These are not predictions, we should say. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life. And you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. And we're back. So this is the big question. It's one of the things on on, uh, everybody's mind. Uh, What does the future hold for our species, for the countries in which we live, for our families, our friend groups, our loved ones? Um, I don't know. How how do you guys want to do it? You want to talk about the bad scenarios first and end with the good? Or you want to go to the good just to give us a little bit of levity? Uh, You want to end on the positive? Yeah, why not? Bad news first, right? Sure, I think so. Get it out of the way. Yeah, yeah, good call. So bad news first. Uh, Here in the U.S., uh, we can talk about this country specifically, uh, unemployment numbers have spiked. How much have they spiked? That is literally something the federal government doesn't want you to know because they don't want people to panic. If you are in the U.S. and hearing this, think about it. Do you know someone who was recently laid off or found themselves unemployed? Uh, I would say that the answer is, your answer is probably 60% likely to be yes at this point. Uh, I I can't speak for uh, you guys, but I personally know multiple people who have found themselves suddenly out of a job, and some estimates have uh, projected that the total unemployment numbers will be 30%. However, the Trump administration, we should note, uh, has specifically asked state leadership to hold off on releasing any recent unemployment numbers. This has drawn, as you can imagine, a, a pretty vocal criticism from his political opponents. Well, another thing that's that's drawing a pretty vocal criticism is the Trump administration's uh, pushing this stance that, hey, everything will be fine by Easter. We need to open back up for business, you know, and maybe only just the most at-risk people should stay home. I mean, that's not even taking into consideration the fact that people could not know they have it and, and go out. I mean, obviously, the economic, uh, you know, fallout is 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 horrible, but... Isn't it just going to get worse if people go out and return back to business as usual and are sick and continue to spread this thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Uh, because one of the one of the primary goals for that somewhat arbitrary Easter uh, normalcy date is to preserve the failing economy or to to save it, right? Uh, but that could lead us to uh, a, another worst case scenario wherein maybe the wave was starting to dip. But every but we called it normal too soon, and then we get hit with a second wave. Uh, if you'll recall, 
Uh, one example that's been brought up a lot lately is the Spanish flu epidemic of 1918. The real name for that is the Spanish flu epidemic of 1918 to 1919. Uh, that means, you know, that means this is probably not a uh, time out for a month scenario. And the more the, like the, if we call it too early, uh, then we may just exacerbate the problems we sought to avoid. In addition to unemployment and a second wave of infection, I would say also this is going to be tremendously damaging to people who already lived in oppressed or disadvantaged situations. I believe at the same time, um, SNAP, which is food assistance, is on the cutting board. Uh, we may also see, you know, people with disabilities being unable to get the services and the treatment that they need. Uh, this is this is looking like a like a terrible situation if we're going down the negative rabbit hole. Uh, what else do you guys think? Well, I would say, but at the same time, we are seeing movements within our very divided government in the United States, at least here, to unite a little bit and give some kind of at least small assistance to everybody across the board. And in a way, it's this move towards um, a bit of socialism, a bit of not authoritarianism, but but moving towards like attempting to ha let the government kind of help everybody in a way that we haven't really seen since the Great Depression, honestly. Um, or when some tax breaks were, were given in 2008 during that downturn, it's that I would say is hopeful for everybody, even the, you know, the people who are least served by the government in, in those areas. But at the same time, if you think about the restaurant, anyone working in the hospitality, uh, sectors in this country right now, just, there are no jobs there right now. It just doesn't exist, you know, or at least it's dwindling to the fact of a complete drought in that area. And those are the people who need things like Snap that you're talking about, Ben, uh, people who are po or potentially need something like that. Well, and this this whole idea of like this this sort of half measure of, of giving households a thousand bucks, something like that, a one time thing. That's not going to do much if they're behind on their rent, you know, months behind. And and I believe a lot of a lot of uh, you know states and and, and counties have uh, put a moratorium on evictions, but not like a rent moratorium. I mean, you're still yeah. going to owe that back rent. Like you know, you can't be kicked out, and they can't shut off your water. But what's the full measure here? You know, it feels to me like it's a band aid to say, "Here's a thousand bucks, go with God." But it's just going to create this ripple effect. It just it just feels like uh, it's sort of a, a hollow gesture but i see what you're saying matt it is pointing to a level of cooperation and a level of like open-minded thinking in, in in a direction that this particular administration has very much maligned you know? well whatever administration i'm sorry ben last moment last thing here uh just to me it speaks to people maybe at least seeing with an external threat in this way uh very much watchman style like maybe it is worth helping the those among us that need the most help um even though we sit in you know the those people sit in their high towers to make those decisions if we are truly seeing the unemployment numbers like ben was saying at the top of this discussion the unemployment numbers if we got to see them as they truly were and as they are going to be over the next few months um i think it's going to be um a harrowing thing that will hopefully push everybody towards 
helping each other out. I agree. Uh, that, that's that's absolutely a silver lining that I hope I hope is is true as well. Yeah, this this is interesting because one thing we need to emphasize is that if you look at the population of the United States and if you look at the on the ground economy, so not the not the Wall Street's future trading, not the stock market that's getting bailed out unsuccessfully, uh, we should note with some Schadenfreude. If you look at the economy that that matters to people on the ground, then it was not a healthy body when this infection entered. Uh, There is a, you know, it's often said that a large share of people in the United States uh, couldn't cover an emergency $400 expense. Now, economists, uh, practitioners of what's called the dismal science often have their own political agendas. So you'll hear people on various policy platforms say that's not entirely true. But what is, you know, but whatever their opinion or their agenda is, the simple fact of the matter is that even if COVID-19 never hit, financially, a lot of people are in dire straits. Student loans are affecting uh, a young demographic of this country at such a massive scale that they're, you know, not having kids. They're not buying houses. They're laboring under something that even bankruptcy won't erase. A single medical emergency can render even a well-to-do American household with two income earners, all the jazz, it can it can render them bankrupt. They will be out on the street. Again, that is all before this pandemic hit. And now, um, to your point, Matt, maybe people are unifying a little bit more because they're starting to realize um, how bad things were before this began. Like, what's what's that old joke? Uh, I'm sure it's a meme that you guys have seen before where someone says uh, they're talking to a cashier and they say, wow, you know, here the economy is great. Employment numbers are way up. And the cashier says, yeah, tell me about it. I have three jobs myself. Um I, I just, I hate to laugh because maybe it's not the appropriate time for gallows humor, but if if the depending on how this is handled, we could we could very easily enter a depression, uh, and I I don't want to be alarmist, but it's something that we all need to be cognizant of in the coming weeks and months. Well, and the distribution of wealth too that that we keep hearing about how you know the top one percent or whatever. I mean, it really is. This is exposing that rot, kind of, and how there's so many people that are just being eviscerated by this. My uh, my ex-wife, who I'm very, very close with, uh, she's a massage therapist. Gone. No business. It's over. You know, I mean, she had to shut her, her shop down. Her husband works in the film industry. Shuttered. Every single production. No work. You know? Um we're we're very lucky that we're able to keep doing what we're doing from home. I mean, we're incredibly lucky. I think knock on wood every every day. But I know many many people that are affected by this directly. I have a question for you guys. How do you feel about the sort of othering and the race baiting elements that are starting to pop up where this idea of this is the quote unquote Chinese flu and like like already setting the cards up to blame an other for this and to create an adversary that we can actually you know, fight with. I would say a scapegoat, right? Because uh, interestingly enough, there were a couple of uh, statements from the federal government here uh, that blamed the Obama administration, the previous presidential administration. And I was thinking, you know, as someone who spends a great deal of time investigating conspiracy theories, I have a hard time believing, political leanings aside, that at some point, 
during his presidency, uh, the Obama administration said, hey, let's release a pandemic in 2020, and then did like the steepled their fingers all Monty Burns style. That's just ridiculous. And you're right. You're not only right about this country, dude, uh, but other countries, as we'll find later in this episode, other countries have been doing the same thing. It's a global phenomenon. It's uh, it's unfortunate. It's laughable, and it has a very, re- it has very real potential to lead to human deaths. Uh, so this, like, you know, here in Atlanta, we've seen Asian American members of the population get verbally abused, uh, get a, get uh, even not here in Atlanta that I know of, but in parts of the U.S. In parts of this country, there are people who are getting the crap beat out of them because they happen to look to their racist uh, abusers, to these criminals, they happen to look Asian. And uh, that that's truly, it's truly a disgusting thing, but I think it's also indicative of that underwhelming fear, or that underlying fear. You know, people want something. Like you're saying, people want something else to blame. They want something they can hit. That's the same reason why, and I, I'll say it, we don't talk about it too much on, on the show, but I'll say it, that's the same reason why the tragedy of September 11th, 2001, led to uh, led to a large scale military operation in countries that had nothing to do with the tragedy. We needed someone to blame, something to react to. You know what I mean? Am I sounding crazy? No, no, no. That's exactly what it is, Ben. I mean, because you can't fight, you know, uh, a virus. You can't really be angry at a virus. You know, you can't shake your fist at it and, and call it horrible names. I mean, you could, but it's a lot easier to uh, assign blame to uh, a country that maybe we don't fully understand or maybe we already are at odds with and culturally different than uh, in many other ways. It's just kind of an easy uh, scapegoat, like you say. And to see that violence happen and actually playing out with actual neighbors, you know, and people that live uh, with us and, and next to us is really, really sad. And that, that's the that, that's I just can't handle that. It's just it's it's, it's just ma- taking a terrible situation and just making it worse and allowing it to just poison daily life and, 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 and create this toxic environment. I mean, they're already you were talking about the headline at the top of the show about the gentleman that was uh, being um, accused of, I believe, terrorist threats for, you know, coughing on people. I mean, I'm seeing fights breaking out at grocery stores where people are like, you know, stay away from me or, or I'll, you know, hit you. I mean, this isn't the race thing. This is literally just people being scared. And the atmosphere is already one of paranoia and fear. To introduce that hatred into it is just more than I can handle. You know, a great way to contract COVID-19? Get in a close combat situation with somebody. Yeah, true. true. (laughs) So, like, maybe maybe lay off uh, (laughs) everybody out there. Um, Yeah. I'm going to put something out here because I know we need to move on. This is just something. I guess more of a shower thought, let's say. Um, What if this is part of our super organisms move toward the evolution of our species and toward toward the bringing on of the singularity where every, not every, but I would say a ton of people out there working in some form of coding some form of situation where you only need a a computer and an internet connection can function with their job specifically to assist in some kind of electronic or 
um, artificially intelligent field, those jobs are secure. Those people will continue to function and that uh, machine will continue to run just perfectly in this situation. No matter what the pandemic, you can run that stuff. As long as the main, the major systems of electricity and interconnectivity are functioning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. What do you think? I, I, I see what I see what you're saying because there there's no question that we are in um I'll take ownership of this because I screwed up and introduced the phrase, but we are going to enter a new normal. You know, imagine a world where people are so averse to physical interaction that your the majority of people you interact with, you do so through an online platform or some sort of distancing like a telephone or a video conference, and you only meet people in person on rare, almost ritualistic occasions. You know, you'll date someone for years uh, online, and then you maybe you meet when you move in together and put your weird VR uh, battle stations in the same room, and that's true love. It's know? not like we don't have a head start already. I mean, you know what I mean? We're so isolated uh, in that way through technology already. I mean, even my daughter, you know, so much of her uh, interactions and her friendships are internet-based. I, I just uh, took her to see a movie with a friend that she told me it was her friend she'd known for years. And I realized they were meeting for the first time in person that night at that movie. It was a friend she made like on this TikTok app of somebody local. And then before any parents out there say you're crazy to let your daughter, it was somebody it was a mutual friend of another friend. It wasn't just some rando person on the Internet. But I was shocked when she said, oh, yeah, I haven't met her in person before. And she'd known her for like over a year. I just thought, you know, it's it's a, a very we do have a head start towards that extreme version of this society that we're already living in right now that you're describing, you know. Yeah, yeah, agreed. As a matter of fact, you know, many of us are many of us are, are big fans of podcasts, you know, both making them and listening to them. And to, to your point about Head Start, uh, you know, we have just just the four of us, uh, we have forged uh, what we feel are sincere relationships with many of our fellow listeners, people that we have never met. Uh, but we know, like, we know stuff uh, about each other. The kind of details friends know, you know. Uh, so shout out to Simon Workman, for instance. Uh, shout out to multiple people who, like, we talk to each other. We are a community, which will come into play later. And quick shout out to Blake, who got a weird call from me last night uh, while I was in my car. Uh, yeah. Hope shout you're doing well. Blake. Hope everything's going well, buddy. Yeah. And and I, I think that's tremendously important because the human the human connection, uh, our souls, if you want to use that word, should not be bound by geography, should not be bound by location. Um, and, and before I get to TED Talkie, uh, I do want to put in one more bad scenario. Uh, I'll just plant a seed and we can move on to good stuff. Uh, one one more incredibly plausible bad scenario that everyone should be thinking about is this. This is the perfect opportunity for an authoritarian government to crack down on something. This is also the perfect opportunity for a republic or a democracy to shift to an authoritarian mode of governance. Oh, and speaking of head starts, we kind of have that too, don't we? <laughs> In place right now. Ooh. In terms of the climate, the political climate right now, you know, I'm I'm not seeing inklings of moving towards that. But you're right; it wouldn't take much, Ben. It wouldn't. You're take not much. seeing. 
Are you not seeing? (laughs) No, but really, honestly, guys, how how is the November election going to happen? Oh, that's it. I've been working on some stuff there. I want to I want to pitch you guys on this. Uh, I I'm going to say it's not looking good. I know we're a long way away. We're a long way away from that. Are, are we, Matt? Are we? But relatively, and given the severity of what's going on, and depending on what we see in just the next few days or weeks, especially months, uh, we could be in a real situation where we have to, like we suspended tax day here in the United States, or we, we pushed it back at least. We pushed back all kinds of... Um, just within, you know, personally, uh, healthcare deadlines and things like that, all kinds of things like that are getting pushed back. It, why would the November election not end up getting pushed back for how long? What does that look like? What does that mean? How does that change stuff that's written in the Constitution? It's a really weird place we're going to. So why why is it okay to do the census online, but we can't vote online? I've always wondered that. I've always wondered why there wasn't more of a robust vote from home situation or like it seems very antiquated the way we conduct elections the technology and the deployment of technology in the voting process again here in the united states is uh is often moving at a glacial pace because every every side capable of having voice in there every side capable of making a decision has an uh, has an agenda you know it's like it's like with a it's like a company uh, a corporation's goal is to make its shareholders happy make a year over year profit right that's how capitalism works a political party's goal is going to tend to be to strengthen the position of that political party. Therefore, they're going to be adverse to moves that they see as helping, quote-unquote, the other side, and they're going to be very bullish on moves that they see as giving them an advantage. So when it comes to... It's like that old... um, that old quotation from India, when elephants wage war, the grass suffers. Technologically, we absolutely could be voting online or be voting by mail, uh, but the opportunities for corruption would have to be addressed in a substantive way. Uh, You know, to your point, Noel, we can clearly do it. The technology is there. We have the technology, as they used to say in the $6 million man. We don't have the legislation, and we don't, we frankly do not have enough honest caretakers of policy for that legislation to be created, to be approved, and to be implemented. Technology, as you know, longtime listeners, will always outpace legislation. I think we I think it's fair to say, you know, that uh, this government, again, just here in the US, is still kind of playing catch up to television. We never really figured out how to handle TV and uh, you know, let alone MySpace, let alone TikTok. It's it's a crazy time to be alive. It's true. Should we silver lining playbook it now? What do you think? Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, Good scenarios. Good scenarios. Well, let's look at the things that came about due to the Great Depression. Great Depression, a horrific time 
in this country. Uh, it's weird that it's named the Great Depression for a lot of people. Uh, but but uh, things that came out of it were things like the New Deal. These are things that even the most, um, even people who find themselves on the most extreme version of uh, the libertarianism scale uh, can agree with. You know, uh, the New Deal gave us a tremendous amount of infrastructure that did not exist before. It also gave people a tremendous uh, opportunity in terms of employment. And the New Deal, in general, objectively made, made the U.S. on the ground a better place. Did it open up doors uh, for overarching big brother government control? Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, that stuff wouldn't pass this week, but who knows a few months from now. So, so there could be a large-scale uh, readjusting of U.S. society, at least, that is uh, less cruel toward the majority of people living here. I don't know if that's wealth distribution. I don't know if that's um, better medical care. You know what I mean? There, there's a number of ways that could work out. But that's one possible good scenario. Uh, you know, and then to Matt's point, maybe we will finally assume uh, humanity's role as a midwife or transitional stage to a more highly evolved life form. You know, the cyborgs, the singularity people. The what would what would we call it? It would it wouldn't be. Um, would it be like instead of Homo sapiens? Would it be like? Homo, uh, whatever means wise in Latin, right? Homo sagacious. Yes. I'm not sure. It'll, it'll just be, you know, our, our metal selves, our electronic versions that, uh, that somehow exist for longer periods and can do anything and everything that your phone can do. Uh, I wanted to give this to you guys really quickly. Bill Gates came forward yesterday, gave a bit of a TED talk, and said that the best case scenario within the United States is to have six to 10 weeks of total isolation from one another in order to minimize the economic impacts uh, on, on the country. Uh, so like six to 10 weeks is the minimum amount that you could have in order to see recovery from an economic standpoint within 20 days after that. And let's not forget, he should know. I mean, a lot of the work of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is fighting disease in, in, in third world countries like malaria and, and all of that. So, I mean, I bet you this, uh, I don't think Bill Gates says anything like just off the cuff like that. I mean, I'm sure there's some data uh, going into that statement. He made a bit of a snark at uh, the, the administration's, you know, very pie in the sky Easter um, reopen the country for business uh, idea and saying, oh, crazy, people are back out buying houses and, and, and uh, going to restaurants and, oh, don't pay no mind to that pile of bodies over there or whatever, you know? I mean, he, he definitely has a, a pretty dark outlook on, on that idea from the, from the government. Yeah, I, I agree. I think a lot of people listening... How maybe hold a lot of distrust for billionaires such as Bill Gates in, in, you know, I would have to say personally, I feel that a lot of times. I think, you know, I think we all do a bit, but in a scenario like that, as, as Noel stated there, it is somebody who has worked with infectious disease across the world. So I, I've, I, I've I always know. thought Bill seemed like one of the good ones, you know, I, I don't know. 
That's just my my gut feeling about him as as a person. Remember that episode we did where it talked about how wealth kind of changes you as a person in a lot of ways. Not necessarily for everyone, sure, no, but it's, it's uh, certainly that's has, what always. Has, yeah, no, I agree. That always makes me a little suspicious. I was holding back for a second, and uh, before we move on, I want to point out something that may surprise you guys. Have you heard of Event 201? No. Okay. So uh, so back in October of 2019, uh, Event 201 was hosted by the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. This focused on uh, something eerily prescient, emergency preparedness in the event of a, quote, severe pandemic. Uh, I just want to plant that seed. I uh, promise we'll come back to it uh, because it, it it has a place in the next act of today's episode. We've painted a little bit of a good, a bad scenario. Now we have to ask ourselves, what if there's more to the story? We'll answer this question after a word from our sponsor. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life. And you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Here's where it gets crazy. Conspiracy theories about the novel coronavirus are spreading almost as quickly as the infection itself. So, 
we, we're going long today, uh, so we can't get to everything that we have planned, but uh, we've rounded up a few of the more prominent conspiracy theories making the news today. Uh, I want to let you know ahead of time, conspiracy realists, these do range in plausibility. Some of them are more likely to be true than others. I'll go and get started here. Early on as this story and uh, this virus, it was all developing, there were so many people out there saying that the disease that develops from this virus is not real, that it's exaggerated, it's not that bad, or it's a hoax entirely. And it was something that was basically a story that was put in place to try and distract people from other things that were going on in the news or the world. And, you know, there were so many different things that people were pointing to, whether it was an election or, you know, uh, industry and possible um, polluting problems and actual grim outlooks on that. It, it just spanned the gamut of things that this virus was distracting us from really looking at. And the first idea is that the threat, you know, is in some way exaggerated. Um, and you know, uh, we know now that that is certainly not the case. Right. Yeah. So, so you named three kind of takes on the concept of a hoax, that it's entirely a hoax or it's a, that it's exaggerated, entirely a hoax, or that it's a smokescreen for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. You're right, Matt. It's not the case. In fact, it appears that leadership in most countries in the world did the opposite of exaggerating this. They initially underestimated this virus, both in terms of its transmission rate and in terms of its deadly nature. And, and a ton of people, often for the best reasons ever, a ton of people were quick to try to quell alarmism around COVID-19 by saying, you know, it's no worse than the flu. You have probably seen this, fellow conspiracy realists. Uh, you've seen the statements on social media. Maybe one of your distant relatives gave you an email with like 17 forwards on it. Uh, maybe you heard it from friends, uh, especially during the early days. Whatever those people's intentions were, they were categorically, demonstrably incorrect. And and now we have to tackle the, the concept that you've heard before, folks, that COVID itself is not exaggerated. It's not a smokescreen, uh, or maybe it is, but it's entirely a hoax. All that stuff you're hearing on the news is made up. This is another thing people said often in the early days, and it's a view that some people maintain today. In fact, the president of the United States, the current president, uh, called it a hoax earlier. Uh, I, do you guys remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's crazy. I heard a thing on NPR the other day where it was, is it Hannity, who's kind of the real bullyish kind of uh, – pundit um who who tends to just like say some of these more outlandish claims um he uh said he literally said uh, parroting some of what the president had said that this was a left-wing hoax intended to discredit uh, the president and screw with his re-election prospects right um and then you know the president had said something along those lines obviously not uh, quite that uh explicit but then when the president came out, when things started getting real and started talking and he started kind of shifted and, and, and said, you know, sort of doing some revisionist history saying, oh, I've, we've, I, my administration has been handling this, you know, with the utmost concern uh, and attention from day one. Hannity then flipped his script and just started praising the president for his, uh, 
you know, masterful handling of this of this uh, of this pandemic. And I mean, it talk about 1984, you know, uh, double speak. I mean, it's just it was mind boggling to me. I want to jump to the concept that President Trump called uh, the coronavirus a hoax. Did you guys see the Snopes article on this? I did. Yeah. So essentially, this is I'm just going to quote this. so Everybody hears this. Um, he was discussing the coronavirus in fe- late February of 2020 in South Carolina. And according to Snopes, he likened the Democrats' criticism of his administration's response to the coronavirus outbreak as their new hoax. So, quote, this is their new hoax. So he does, in a way, call it a hoax, but uh, it's it's interesting. It's just interesting the way the wording goes to play there, but he's certainly downplaying the severity and the importance of it. Well, the, the president uh, later, in later press conferences, and I, I have the timeline available. Um, if, if you want this, uh, just write to me. I'll send it to you. Uh, he later denied making that statement the way it was uh, advertised in the press, and he argued that it was mischaracterized on purpose. This leads us to something important, and it's why I'm really glad you brought up the Snopes article, Matt. Um, I I know that we have to cut a lot of conspiracies uh, in today's episode, but for this, this is a tool you can use when you're attempting to determine the veracity of any claim whether it's flat earth to what sandwich your your friend had on Thursday, your first step has to be finding sources that argue for or against a statement. Then you compare them. So at this point, you'll still find people arguing that COVID-19 itself is entirely a hoax. And you can consider them a primary source for that opinion or that viewpoint. However, if you look at the other side, you will find many, many, many more people People with firsthand experience from either contracting the illness or combating it in the new front line of this global war, hospitals, clinics, and ERs across the planet. Those people will all argue that this is very much real. So regardless of what we all may want to be true, the sheer mass of verifiable proven sources indicate that COVID is no hoax. But to that third question you raised, Matt, what if... This is an opportunity. Yeah, this is even more disturbing, um, and it's something that we really need to spend a little bit of time on. Uh, So while COVID probably wasn't planned by a nation or an institution, some kind of, uh, you know, biological warfare conspiracy, it certainly presents an opportunity for some unethical behavior like we talked about earlier. Here are some of the hypothetical examples, and this goes, again, with our our discussions earlier. Um, Shut down protests. Can't have people gathering, so no protests, right? Depriving people of their civil rights, uh, you know, under the guise of it being a public health measure, right? You could also try and pass some kind of controversial legislation. Uh, We're seeing how well, as we discussed earlier, the left and right encamped sides of the United States government and Congress are, are functioning right now. Just as everyone's coming together, maybe... You could use this as a way to get something through, slip it through while we're all working together. Did we talk about this on um, a previous episode, the insider trading that's going on and how no one's getting in trouble for it? It's insane. I mean, look, to me, the thing you just described, Ben, is like the political equivalent of price gouging like medication that would cure people. You know, I mean, it is so immoral. 
I, I can't even handle it. Uh, and, and, and yeah, the whole insider trading thing. I mean, there was a, a lawmaker from here in Georgia who, who just got popped for it. Um, Senator you know, Leffler. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and, and they had downplayed the threat. Uh, and then went to this briefing um, and then, you know, sold off millions of dollars worth of stock. And how that's not insider trading, I don't know. It is. It, it 100% is. It is, but there are, there are a lot of loopholes. So just to name names, and so everybody doesn't feel like we're picking on one senator because they happen to be from our state. Uh, the names that we know now, the four, the four senators across the board who lied to the public while they were dumping their own stock fortunes like a fire sale are these uh senator burr senator feinstein senator loeffler and senator inhofe there's another thing we got to talk about this is a fantastic opportunity if you're a if you're a overarching government this is a fantastic opportunity to nationalize private businesses in a time of crisis many governments are opening the door uh to well we're making laws or we're activating laws that uh, that opened the door to widespread nationalization of key industries like energy, transit, medical manufacturing, even agriculture. Now, there are some people, of course, who will say, well, that would be a fantastic thing. Uh, but of course, on this show, we're of the mind that fantastic things uh, are, you know, are, are even more fantastic when they're transparent. And of course, as it, you know, there's another opportunity to crack down on minority or opposition groups. This is all happening once, but it's stuff to be aware of. One thing, one thing I wanted to ask you guys about, Matt Knoll, uh, was something I was surprised to find people so ardent about. Uh, it is the concept of 5G and the coronavirus. Have you guys heard about this? I have not been. So multiple people, this surprised me too, Noel, multiple people have been proposing a link between COVID-19 and 5G technology. I guess we should, we should pause for a second. Um, I'm going to defer uh, defer to you, Matt. Uh, what exactly is 5G? We, we hear the name thrown around a lot, but like on the, on the most like bare bones level, what, what the heck is that stuff? I literally have no idea. Uh, it's one more than 4G. <laughs> um, it's uh, something that we need to discuss with Jonathan Strickland and have him on to discuss that. I think we've we've been mentioning it a couple times to him, so hopefully we can get him on to truly explain to us what 5G is. Is it like fundamentally different than 4G? Is it a completely different transmission uh, medium? It's going to be rolled out a lot differently where the signals are going to be transferred back and forth from your devices. They're going to be located in different places throughout your neighborhood or wherever you live. Um, it's at, you know, it's slightly different frequency bands. There's all kinds of inter interesting stuff there and it's way too much to unpack right now, but just know that it is a slightly different version of what you're using for your cell phone right now, unless you're already using 5g. Yeah, we have a, uh, we have an episode on this, uh, where I, the research is still solid, uh, from February 13th of 2019 called cell phones, 5g and cancer. Uh, which which goes into some of the nuts and bolts of how 5G works. But I, I think knowing, knowing this, we know, you know, you don't have to go back and listen to that episode. Of course, we would love it because every time you listen to an episode, our, our boss sends us a personal text and says, we have one more day before we're fired. So uh, please tune in. Uh, the, uh, the, the thing about 5G that 
should trip everybody up when we hear this is the concept that somehow a wireless phone field could what? Uh, accelerate or exacerbate the spread of a virus. Here's the initial connection. So the PRC, China, turned on some of its first 5G networks in December of 2019. And uh, people who are, you know, picking up that kind of xenophobic vibe you described earlier, Noel, they're quick to say, well, you know, the coronavirus, if it's real, came from China, and they also turn on their 5G networks for the first time. So they attempt to draw a uh, a, a link between the two, a casual, a casual link. Uh, we have we have specific examples of the kind of stuff which uh, that people are talking about in this regard, uh, and you can watch it for yourself on Facebook. Heck, you can join. You, we found a group that you can join. Yeah, it's a Facebook group called Stop Five G UK Facebook Group. Very creative name. Yeah, you know, I mean, these kind of conspiracy theories abound whenever there's some kind of new tech that comes out. And especially, you know, people are very skittish about the idea of things transmitted through the air. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, 4G is, is, is approximately a gigabit Ethernet connection equivalent, and 5G would be like multiple gigabit speed. Um, but you're right, the infrastructure is different, uh, but we do, we should get Jonathan Strickland in to talk about it. But this, this, this whole concept seems like a stretch to me. As Ben mentioned, we did talk about it, but we talked about it well before it was ever actually turned on. Um, so I'm very much interested in seeing how it's developed, how it is actually rolling out. Because I don't know if you guys remember, we had that uh, gentleman on here named David Icke. Do you remember what he told us about 5G? What did he say, Matt? Refresh my memory, please. He gave us a dire warning about 5G and how it was one of the most terrifying things that was coming and it was going to spell essentially the end of the world. I'm going to go on record and say, you know... uh, that that uh, that that feels a little alarmist. Again, I'm not an expert. Uh, that interview, I, I can't remember if we did it before the seven year study came out uh, that was attempting to debunk these worries. Uh, but I also want to point out that uh, you know I, when you and I on that interview asked David Ike about his accusations of anti-Semitism, uh, he still didn't. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if he's the best oh, source. Oh, I'm I'm not saying he's the best source. I'm just saying, in my mind, what is repeating is what David Icke said to us. Oh, and yeah. and he was saying that it was going to harm people. And I can see why a Facebook group maybe that was either listening to David or other people talking about 5G um, would then connect those two given that China did activate quite a bit of its 5G networks uh, mm-hmm. in, in that time frame, right around December 2019. So I... But, I mean, I are, are, are we really calling into question the origin of the of the COVID-19? No, that is not what I'm doing. No, no not you. I just mean this theory seems to do that uh, fundamentally. Uh, what what is, the, is the notion that, that all of that is just smoke? And that it's just a cover up for the real uh, the real bad actor, which is this technology. I would just say it's a really bad coincidence that happened to line up in a time frame with some of these fears. I would say also to your point, um, while we're while we're playing some Pepe Silvia, 
which is which is a great idea for a board game that we come out with if I didn't think Always Sunny would sue us. But while we're playing Pepe Silvia, I want to point out that uh, that David Icke was right about the pedophilia uh, in in the United Kingdom. No matter what you want to say about the guy, you can call him a crank or whatever, but he was 100% right about the active cover-up of child abuse for decades in the United Kingdom. And also, spoiler alert, if you don't want to listen to all the episodes, uh, yes, the people who did that are going to get away. There's, they're apparently above the law. But being, you know, a broken clock can be right twice a day, right? So this doesn't mean he's automatically right about uh, 5G predictions. Uh, the people who are claiming that 5G is what – the, what they're really – what they tend to claim is that uh, the deleterious health effects of 5G are being conflated with the uh, the symptoms of coronavirus. So to your point, Noel – the people who believe this, ultimately, the majority of them are arguing that coronavirus was not actually a virus at all. They say it's just, it's something the media is using to cover up illnesses and death attributed to exposure to 5G technology. Um, there's there's one example of this, a guy named uh, Mark Steele, who I think is an excellent just snapshot here, because we have to remember a lot of the people participating with the 5G coronavirus conspiracy have just sort of folded this enormous global panic into their pre-existing opposition to 5G. Mark Steele was making waves all the way back in 2018 because he said his local city council was causing pregnant women to miscarry uh, when they were walking under street lamps that were outfitted with 5G technology. Uh, the local government, by the way, rejected his allegations. There's no proven link between the tech and COVID. There's also no proven link, furthermore, of any single case of wireless technology spreading a viral infection in general. You know what I mean? There's no, like, nobody nobody got uh, a viral infection uh, because they heard a telegraph message, if that makes sense. Right, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, sure, I could see blaming or, or, or you know, being concerned uh, about other health risks associated with this stuff because it hasn't been tested and we haven't really seen it rolled out. And, you know, the idea that cell phones cause cancer, we've, we've done episodes on that. And we that was the, that's a little bit the jury's kind of out. But there's some evidence that maybe there, there's some some truth to that. But how does a, a transmission of, of data cause a viral infection or carry a novel, you know, virus. The the allegation there is that it is not a virus. It is just effects of the radiation emanating from the technology and the devices. Shout out to everybody who just looked at their, uh, you just looked at your phone now and you saw that little 5G icon. Shout out to you. You're going to be okay. And here for now is where we leave it. Hang on, why weren't you guys talking about the uh, religious allegations or the religious conspiracy theories? Why weren't you talking about the various panaceas and snake oil cures? Why aren't you talking about the fact that numerous governments have accused other governments of creating COVID-19 as a weapon? Well, our answer to that is that we have to save something for part three. Also, peek behind the curtain, Paul Mish Control is going to kill us if we... If we 
make this like a three hour episode. Uh, so on, on the Google Hangout, we can see Paul's face down there below, and it, it looks like a smile, but it, I'm definitely reading it as a scowl right now. No, that's just a still. I know, but it just, I can't tell how angry it is, but it does look angry. So uh, apologies for not getting to a lot of things. I know they're very much on the front of our fellow listeners' minds today, uh, but tune in because we will be doing a part three, which is uh, even more of a deep dive into uh, the the conspiracy theories that we didn't get to today. I'm, I'm honestly sad about it because some of them are a little more plausible, uh, and we're also going to be looking at the developing situation. At this point, again, March 25th, 2020, the scariest conspiracy remains the one we mentioned in our initial episode on COVID-19. China conspired to keep this quiet. Other countries conspired to downplay the uh, long-term consequences and the threat of this, including the United States. And now the world collectively is paying for those decisions. We are paying for those conspiracies, and the bill has yet to come due. So while while you're hanging out, uh, wherever you are right now, staying safe and isolating yourself, uh, make sure to reach out to us. We are available on the internet in a ton of places. We are Conspiracy Stuff on Twitter and Facebook. You can find our Facebook group. Here's where it gets crazy. Uh, I'll just go there. We can talk about anything COVID or not COVID uh, and just uh, discuss any episodes. Give us ideas for new episodes. If you don't want to do that, go to... Instagram. You can find us there. We are Conspiracy Stuff Show. You can also find us as individual human people. Uh, you can follow our our, our quarantine uh, stories, if you wish. Uh, mine, uh, you can find at Instagram. Um, I am at HowNowNoelBrown. If you wish, you can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm doing some exciting projects on Twitter. I'd very much like you to be a part of them. Uh, check out at Ben Bolin HSW. You can also follow my various misadventures on Instagram at Ben Bolin. You can find me at the Untuned Jimbe. Uh, good luck. I, I should be there somewhere tweeting all day long. Um, the isn't, that a, isn't that a King Jimbe. Crimson song? I love that. Oh, I don't know. That's wonderful. That's, that's not a real. That's not really a thing. You cannot find me. Ha ha. Do, do you have an untuned djembe? Is this? Uh... Yes, it's sitting right next to me. <laughs> I can't tell because it's very dark in the background there. Yes, yes, yes. Purposeful, my friend. I love uh, it. If you don't want to do any of that stuff, you can leave us a message. We have a number you can call. It is one eight three three. S-T-D-W-Y-T-K. Give us a call, leave us a message, and um, you might be a part of the show, especially during these, our new weird times. And if you don't want to do that, you can always send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app.